That was hilarious, um, Livy. I was I called him Boo. I said, "You got it, Boo." And Livy, our little two year old, goes, "You got it, Boo." <laughs> Do you need to sneeze? You're freaking me out with your face. What do you need to do? So, I hate saying so. I got this. Boo. Hi, it's Brecken. And Jonathan. From Gym Junkies, and we're back. Welcome to episode three. Australian Opal. Part two of Opal. Part two of the Opal series. Last week we talked about the world of Opal. This week we're going to delve a little bit further into Australian Opal. We did have a question that came up about Opal Care. Yes, Opal Care, which is a very common question that we didn't talk about is durability and so opal care and durability go hand in hand. And so opal care, one of the first questions that we always get asked is, should you oil your opals? And Please don't oil your opal. Do not oil your opals. All oil does is it attaches to the surface of opal, and then it attracts dust. And dust is the same hardness as quartz, which is harder than the opal. It's and a seven it's, opals, five and a half to six and a half. You can so, see where this is going. Yep, it scratches and abraded the surface of your opal and will make it look ugly. So the only time you'd ever store opal in oil is if you were to store it like in a safety deposit box loose. So anytime it's a finished piece, you shouldn't store it anything but just in air. And then also care of an opal. Uh, the best way to clean an opal, a piece of opal jewelry, is with... Uh, Warm, soapy water. And a toothbrush. Yep. Soft, soft bristle toothbrush. Soft bristled toothbrush. And so the uh, this week has been very busy for us. We are getting ready for uh, the JCK Luxury Show. It starts next week. So we've yeah. been busy bees. Yeah, busy bees getting everything organized. Uh, all the all of our beautiful pieces finished. And so it's been very, very busy. Ready for, what, eight hot days in the desert sun? Something like that. Except we never leave the Mandalay Bay Convention that's, Center. <laughs> that's very true. We never get to see the light of day. No, through the big windows. Okay, through windows. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we do have one correction. I uh, said last time that there were only two places that black opal was found. Which Jonathan is, misspoke. Which was Nevada and Australia, but there are some black opals from Ethiopia that are not dyed. Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> so let's uh, let's let's talk first about the different types of opal that come out of Australia, and along with each of those, we can talk about where they come from. So where do you want to start? You want to start with your traditional light opal or do you want to start with black opal? Where do you want to start? I want to start with black opal. Okay. The most expensive of all yep. opal. And black opal is called black opal not because it's black, but because the base color is dark versus the base color being light. And why is the base color black? The base color is dark due to an addition of iron as a trace element, and that's what gives black opal its dark base color. But 
black opal isn't just black. It's a continuum from light opal all the way to black with all the different grays in between. So doesn't iron also color Mexican? It gives it the orange and red color? Correct. And it also colors the black? Correct. Oh, iron is a tricky thing. Iron is a tricky thing. Yep. So it's, it's a lot more iron, which is why it's black. Maybe if it was less iron, it would be more like Mexican. But Maybe. it's also a different formation. Uh, Australia is all sedimentary, whereas we oh, talked about yeah. Mexican being volcanic. So I think it also has a little bit to do with that. So where does black opal come from? Black opal comes from Lightning Ridge, Australia. I knew that answer. Of course you did. <laughs> and where is Lightning Ridge in Australia? New South Wales. That's correct. New South Wales. It is a short airplane ride from Sydney, Australia. What, about an eight-hour car drive from Sydney? Yeah, probably something like that. Jonathan and I flew a plane there. I flew a plane there with the assist of a pilot. But <laughs> he did. So you rode in a plane to, to Lightning Ridge? No, he let me fly in the air. I got to kind of moment. tilt the wings and turn the plane. And when we were landing in Lightning Ridge, it was like... The most beautiful, epic scene, landing a plane in the outback. There was the cutest little kangaroo that jumped in front of the plane on the landing strip. strip. I thought this was just the most magical thing. And the pilot like almost crapped himself because it could have been really bad if we hit the kangaroo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was a bunch of kangaroos and wallabies that jump alongside the airplanes as they land and take off. So it's kind of very picturesque. It is, but also very dangerous. Don't yeah. hit don't hit a, a kangaroo, kangaroo with an airplane. Or a car. Or a car. Both. Dude, they're dumb animals. Yeah, they're not bright. They're a lot like deer here. No, in the but States. they're worse than deer because I don't think deer run towards headlights. I feel like kangaroos do. They just remember when we were on that island, Phillips Island? They just came out of nowhere. And yeah. we're like, Car's they're, coming, let's let's check more, it out. They're more curious. Yeah. I think is the word cheer. But they're so cute. Very cute. And they are kind of like dogs. Like we went to an animal park there and they would lay down. They'd be laying down, sunning themselves, and you'd come over and scratch their bellies just yeah. like a dog. And they, they're they pretty cute. Happiest day of my life. It's pretty pretty fun. Cuddling with kangaroos and koalas. Yeah. Koalas <laughs> are also quite cuddly. All but right. They, we digress. Go back to Black Opal, Jonathan. What else is there to talk about? about? Uh, so it was first discovered the field in lightning ridge was first discovered in 1905 by kangaroo shooters so we linked right back so the ridge yeah so that's where the best black opals come from there are a few black opals that come from other places in australia but it's the primary source right what meant to be has blacks or is it winton yeah so meant to be definitely has some black opal as well, and there's a little bit that comes out of Cooper PD once in a while as well, but mostly from Lightning Ridge. Okay. One thing that I thought was super interesting about Lightning Ridge in general was it's just full of crazy people. Yeah, right? I mean, you have to be crazy to live in the middle of the desert eight hours from the next major but city. there was this miner who made himself teeth out of opal. Yeah. Do you remember that? That yeah, was, was insane. That was pretty cool. Yeah, he had dentures that were that were opal dentures. Yeah, and I they, don't think they'd be very good for eating. No, probably not. <laughs> they would break pretty easy. I don't easy. know. How hard are teeth? I think teeth are pretty hard. Are they? Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to look up. We'll what, have to on the most scale, what are teeth? Next, let's talk about the more traditional light opal, which 
is a large, uh, there's a large area in Australia that you can find light opal uh, everywhere from Andamooka and Cooperpedi, Mintibi, Lambina, which are all in South Australia, north of Adelaide. And then you also get over to like White Cliffs and that way more into New South Wales. It also has light opal. The bulk of light opal is found in Cooperpedi and Cooperpedi in Aborigine means white man in a hole. Right. And that's what uh, <laughs> the uh, that and that's what it is, is there's a bunch of holes and the miners actually live underground because the summer temperatures can get so crazy, crazy hot there that nobody wants to live out there. But oddly I'm, enough, I have watched a House Hunters International where they were looking at homes underground in Cooper Pedy. Yeah. It was crazy. He was a miner. There you go. He was moved a his whole family there. Yeah. Yeah. So there's quite a quite a region that covers light opal, which is the the more traditional. And we kind of talked about it last week, but Australia is an ancient seabed. Right. So that's how a lot of the opal in Australia formed was the silica rich water percolating down and and forming those bands of opal. So you get a lot of uh, especially out of Cooper PD, you get a lot of Shell opal, as we call it, which is where the organic material of the shell disintegrates and the opal replaces it. So you get actual seashells and opal mm, fossils. Yep, opal fossils. So that's something that's kind of cool. We have um, bellamite, bellamite tubes, which are the internal structure of a squid. Right. That have been opalized that we've made little bar necklaces out of. Right. That's uh, the. The Bellamites are really cool and very popular right we now. We also had the most amazing bifold clam specimen that Jonathan sold. <laughs> I'm good at selling. Yeah, it broke my heart. It was so beautiful. Did did they make that into a piece of jewelry or keep it as a specimen? I uh, made it into a piece of jewelry. Wow. She made it into a beautiful pendant. Beautiful. Talking about light opal, we really got heavy in Australian light opal in, what, the 70s or 80s? And Frank went over to Hong Kong to purchase it. Yeah, he uh, he just didn't know anyone in Hong Kong, had never been to China. He flew over to Hong Kong, opened up the yellow pages, and started through opal cutters. And that's how he got to uh, got into the Australian opal business. I think it's an interesting story why most of the Australian opal was being cut in Hong Kong at the time. They were extremely good at cutting jade. Yeah, they, they were great jade cutters and had a lot of practice. And so... Jade is mostly cut into cabochons, just like opal is. So it made sense that the material would be cut there with peop- with the skilled labor that was there. We talked a lot last week about kind of the Roman views on opal, but we didn't talk about the Aboriginal Australian views on opal and their stories about it. Because... The English were not the first people to discover opal in Australia, correct? Right. The Aboriginals also discovered opal, and they have their own stories about opal and how it came about. They believe that the maker came down to earth and where he landed... Where he walked, everywhere he walked, it turned to opal. Right. There's also a story that what opals are... Rainbows trapped in the soil. The maker threw rainbows down and trapped them in the soil, and 
And that's what opals are. So one of the one of the Australian Aboriginal Dreamtime stories as told by June Barker of Lightning Ridge. In the Aurelia country, the Dreamtime creator came down to Earth in a giant rainbow. He gathered together all the tribes and said he would return when he thought they were wise enough to carry out his plan to have peace forever on Earth. On the stony ridges where the rainbow had rested, there was a great area of rocks and pebbles. Next morning, when the sun rose and shined his light on that spot, the rocks and pebbles flashed and glittered in the sun with all the colors of the rainbow that had given them birth. Red, orange, green, yellow, blue, and violet. These were the first opals. So beautiful, Jonathan. (laughs) The Australians love their opal. They're opal crazy over there. Opal crazy. Opal crazy. So we we have talked about black opal, where it's mined, light or white opal, and where that is mined. And also there is boulder opal. Yeah, boulder opal, which is my favorite. And boulder opal is found in Queensland in quite a large area, right in the center of the Great Artesian Basin. And boulder opal is opal that is still connected with its host rock. Its host rock is an ironstone, so it's a really hard material, and it's really hard to remove that opal to get a solid band of opal so you're left with opal and ironstone right you have very thin seams of opal and they're still attached to ironstone which is like a petrified sandstone Mm -hmm. so it's uh, usually brown in color brown to light brown and uh, it really helps just like black opal it really helps that uh the, the color the color really stand out so boulder opal is really really has great play of color and really strong, vibrant colors. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw boulder opal, I thought, what the heck is this stuff? I don't even know what this is. And when you see it, sometimes it's more of an opal matrix, with which is just very little opal material and mostly a brown stone. And which also can be interesting. Yeah, it's it like could small be... veins of opal all throughout the ironstone, and so it looks like little lightning bolts, or you can sometimes see pictures in it. Or So those are much less expensive than with the full opal face, mm-hmm. but they, they make really fun jewelry. Yawa nut comes from Yawa. And that's where you have a, uh, a like little a, like pocket yeah, of little, silica. Yeah, a little pocket of opal. And so when it comes out, it comes out looking almost like a, a, an egg or a nut. And then when you crack it, when you cut it apart, it's got a, just a perfect little round pocket of opal in the center of the brown ironstone. So yeah, it look, it a, a yawa, a yawa nut. nut. Looks like a little nut that you cracked open, almost like a geode. Right? Kind of the same idea, but full of opal instead of amethyst or quartz. My favorite boulder opal material is croit. As the Aussies say, croit. So it it comes from a place called croit or croite is how we would say it in American English, right? And uh, it, you see pictures. You see, you see pictures and patterns in the stone. It's almost, it's almost like a painting. Like an artist took it and and painted a picture. It's really Older beautiful. Pictures. Yeah, it's awesome. The only word I can say in Aussie English is boulder. Boulder. Boulder, for boulder opal. Oh, I can't even say opal. <laughs> 
It's yeah, like, we're definitely not Aussies. We're not Aussies. And I practice every time we meet with our suppliers, I always say, okay, say Boulder for me. And I'll say Boulder. And so I'll have to repeat it like 15 times so I can say it until the next time I meet them. <laughs> and you still... Throw some shrimp on the Barbie? No, I didn't get it. <laughs> Just stop. You're, you're... I'll have a tinny. I think you're too, too <laughs> California girl for for an Aussie accent. Maybe I I just can't get it. I don't know what it is. They shorten everything though. Yeah. So my name's Brecken, as most of you know. And growing up, my siblings would call me Brecky, and that is the exact word the Australians use for breakfast. Let's have some Brecky. So the first time we went everywhere, she thought the the uh, the signs were all they were all for me. They were all for you. Brecky served here. <laughs> yeah, she was welcomed in Australia every morning. Yeah, and the interesting thing about Australia is is they set up opal mining to be artisanal forever, and so there isn't these huge large mines like there is for like diamonds or for tanzanite or anything like that is that you only get a small You only get a small claim. Yeah, that that small claim. And so the only times that you really get a whole lot more uh, than that is like if a bunch of miners get together and work a plot together. But that's pretty much it. And so they're all pretty artisanal and small mines. And that's why you don't find a lot of opal miners anymore is that it's, it's it's hard work. It's hard work. And so, and corporations can't go in there and mine the opal. And so it's kind of a, a dying breed. Yeah, we, we can't buy opal from just one person. We don't have one source of opal. We probably buy our opal from over 100 different miners. Yeah, yeah. probably off and on over the years, definitely around 100. And the majority of it from the Chinese, because the Chinese do more buying of opal rough than anyone else mm-hmm. and cutting and all that kind of stuff. So we, we, we buy a lot in, in, in Hong Kong and China of, of opal. Most of our boulder is not being cut in Hong Kong. Most right. of that's being cut in Australia. Yeah, that's the exception is the boulder, which is... Which they is. actually keep a lot of the nicer stones in Australia and cut them in Australia. And especially they, in boulder. In, especially in boulder. And also, I think, some of your bigger light and your bigger blacks. And then they send more calibrated, maybe more commercial pieces to be cut in, in China. China. The opal market has changed drastically, I would say, in the last 30 years. Yes. Um, it was. It used to be extremely profitable to mine opal, and then it got much harder to do. There was more and more prospecting and not as much material available. And I think in the early 2000s, when gold prices went like through the roof, remember and during so the recession? And so did oil prices. And so did oil. A lot of your opal miners... Retired. Retired or moved to mining gold and oil. And their kids saw how hard work it was or they didn't have kids. And so you don't have really that second and third generation doesn't exist so much. And so you're left with not only of it being more difficult to find because you're having to go deeper and most of the easy stuff I think has already been found. Yeah. Is, is that is, But you also just don't have as many people mining. When we were in Lightning Ridge, there was um, an opal mine that I... I would not go in on. I stayed up with the kangaroos. It wasn't scary. It was. So I am one extremely afraid of heights and it is just like a pit. How many, how many yards or feet would you say, Jonathan, down to the bottom of that pit? I think it was like 20 to 30 meters. 
which, which is three feet three inches per meter. So 60, 70, yeah. I'm going to round up and say 100 feet down into this hole. Yeah, and there's no OSHA in Australia. So it's like you've got like this metal culvert, so like a metal pipe that is at the top of the thing. And then they had these sections, like six-foot sections of swinging ladders. So they weren't like strapped together. No, they were they just... all jointed and just like hang. Like picture metal uh, clothes hangers just dangling off of each other. And that's what you're climbing down. And no I ropes, said, no gear, no You had a hard hat thing. though. Yeah, hard go. hat. <laughs> so if you fell... I wasn't going down the hole. So I just stayed up there all by myself. It was really peaceful. Yeah, I had a moment in the outback. It was it was pretty cool, though, underneath is they, they showed us around and showed us where, you know, they had taken this much out of this part of the mine and that much out of that. And this was a major find. And then showed us how they worked the mine with, you know, small equipment underground. And then they have, like, a bucket that pulls it back up to the surface. And, and they had all these timber logs. Right, holding up the ceiling. I didn't go down, but I saw amazing pictures. <laughs> yeah, so they have all these just big timbers that were that hold up the ceiling and keep the mine from collapsing on itself. Good thing. And they prospect by drilling holes everywhere. So they'll just kind of go in to an area that they think might have opal, and they'll just drill down and take a core sample out, look at the core sample, and see how much material is actually there. And if it's worth digging a hole and actually mining that material out. That was almost as bad as the uh, drunk Brazilian guy. No, the drunk Brazilian guy was way worse. Drunk with Kishasa. <laughs> I didn't even go down that mine because no. they told me I could rip my feet off. Yeah. So the emerald mines in Brazil are much scarier than the Australian opal mines. Yeah. And we did talk a little bit about opal triplets from Idaho, but we, there's also a lot of opal doublets and triplets out of Australia. Sometimes the the, uh, the seams of opal are too thin to make solids, and so that's when you take a the thin piece of opal and you glue it together with ironstone, and that makes your opal doublets. Or when you add a glass or quartz or a sapphire top, that's when you get a triplet. We do a lot in opal doublet. It's become a really popular stone for designers to work with. Yeah, it's a great, it's definitely the best bang for your buck in opal is is opal doublet. You get so much more color and so much more it vibrancy. Almost, it gives you else. almost the, it gives you the color of a black opal, really. Because yeah. it gives you that really dark base behind the light opal and it really makes uh, the stones pop. And you can get a pretty large size of it for not very much money, a few hundred dollars a carat. Where your finest black would be thousands and thousands of dollars a carat i think the most expensive black opal i saw was two hundred thousand dollars for the stone yeah, yeah and right. it was red pattern with harlequin like your picture perfect black opal but there's definitely even more expensive ones than that i'm sure yeah stones with a little more provenance yeah bigger stones bigger yeah and that's the thing about opal is that you know you can they come from tiny, tiny to very, very large. I mean, we've seen ones as, you know, as big as my arm, especially in boulder opal. And then, you know, in light opal, I've seen them as big as my fist. And so all solid light opals. That's kind of a cool thing about opal is you do get some very large pieces. Mm -hmm. A little bit showier than your other gemstones. Yeah. Because you can't, I mean, what's the biggest sapphire you could get? I mean, you can get like 20, 30, 40 carat stones, but they're not as big as like 100 carat opal. And you can find 100 carat opals out there fairly easy. 
compared to a 40 carat sapphire. Correct. <sighs> All right. I think this wraps up our Opal series. Yep. If our two-part Opal series. If you have any more questions on Opal, give us a shout-out at gemjunkies at parlaygems.com, and we'll be happy to answer your questions. So what are we going to talk about next week? Ruby. Ruby. Yeah. The king of all gemstones. The king of gemstones. We le- we're leaving the queen and going to the king. Yeah, go to the king first. And so we'll be talking about Ruby. So if you have any questions about Ruby, feel free to leave a comment or shoot us an email and let us know your questions ahead of time. Or if there's any other topics that you want to hear, definitely let us know so that we can put those we on We can plan, the plan into the future. I think we're also planning on um, doing one in Vegas. Yeah, we'll definitely do a recording in Vegas. And so that will be not next week, but the week after we'll be releasing the one that we do in Vegas. It's just a party. It's just a party. It's just a bunch of jewelers getting together, having a laugh. So thank you some for, things. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for listening to our third episode of Gem Junkies. Gem 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 Junkies. <laughs> I've got to give Savannah Goodbye. content. <laughs> if you like what you heard today or any of the other episodes, make sure you subscribe to Gem Junkies on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play, and make sure you rate us if you like us. Anything you put on there, she records. (laughs) It has a chance of getting on the air. It does. After last week, anything can be on the air. Anything goes.